This week on South Road Podcast is all about round three of the Six Nations. We discuss Ireland against Italy. Could Italy shock Ireland and Rome as it's been a tough place to go many times over the years? We also discuss England and Wales. Wales striking, will the game even go ahead? What are the ramifications? And is it the right thing to strike? And what outcome needs to come for Welsh rugby? We finally discuss the big one. Scotland and France. Can Scotland go out there and even get a loose bonus point to really make the championship dreams become a reality? Enjoy. Hello welcome back to the Freud Podcast. Please tonight, got the two usuals back in studio, bright and early. Boys, how are we? I'm tired. A bit uh, a bit sad after last night with uh, the old Liverpool result, but um, sure, we can we could be po- positive and op- optimistic for this weekend's rugby. Yeah, same <laughs> same for me. I'm very deflated this morning, but you know we'll get up, we'll get enjoying this ruggers. If at the end of the day, there's always other sports, and rugby's one of them. So <laughs> let me just act like England are in a good spot, and then I could be happy. At least you boys have got <laughs> Ireland. <laughs> For me, it's just depression. But we'll be all right. We'll get through. Well, Zach, you were just a bit annoyed that Ireland are on first again. Well, I was going through the run of the I assumed, order. I assumed Ireland was on a wee, um, wee Sunday afternoon game you know, against Italy. Just kind of put it back to when no one really cares. Um, why, are, <laughs> why are Ireland first three weeks in a row? I don't get it. I well, mean, number one, it... the weekend off right. Like, yeah, but like, I'm just like, uh, you know what? I'm just going to have a wee look here and see with the rest of them. But I just don't understand. Like, I don't understand why three weeks, three game weeks in a row and we're, I just don't get it. And someone, I don't know. It's it's bizarre. Is it, but like no one else. No, actually, that's not true. Wales as well. I think. No, that's not true, actually. No, wait, never mind. Never mind. Everyone can't be the same as Ireland unless they play Ireland every week, Zach. So we'll get we'll get into it. First game of the game week is Ireland Italy away in Rome. So obviously our Italy preview. There was some chat about potentially this being a bit a bit of banana skin for Ireland. Italy will be targeting their two home games early on in the comp in rounds one and three, and they gave France a scare. So should be giving Ireland a scare or are Ireland just up and running, the cogs are turning and this is tough because I'll tell you one thing, I much prefer that to be at the Viva. Rome is not an easy place to go. Yeah, Rome's not an easy place to go if you give Italy a sniff in the first quarter of the game. I think that's what happened with France. And any team that really gets pushed close by Italy, it always comes down to the fact that if you let them be in the game after 20 minutes, and you're not clear by at least the score, um, then there's problems. And especially with this Italy side, where they seem to can kind of go with you the whole 80 minutes rather than just um, maybe 60, and then they kind of implode. So there is, so definitely Ireland, you know, they'll be, they'll not be worried, but I certainly think that the camp will be aware of of what Italy can bring. Um, I think it's a question, for Ireland, it's a question of how much do you, Play on, you know, same starting 15, same starting 15 that would play against Scotland, or do you very much rest certain individuals? That's the that's the real question, I think. Well, obviously, Joey Carberry's been added to the squad and Sexton continues his rehab. What do you think of that? I think Sexton probably wouldn't have played anyway, 
But at the same time, is it worrying that he's getting an injury during the Six Nations with, you know, him probably having to play five games in a row if Ireland are wanting to win the World Cup with Scotland, South Africa, and then the, the knockouts? So is that worrying? Do we, do we need him fit? Ireland need him fit for the full, for full run at the Six Nations? Um, I think for a World Cup, it's certainly certainly interesting. But also, like... I know we're very much in the approach of all eggs in one basket with Ireland, this Ireland team, you know, it's sexton or nothing sort of thing. But it is an opportunity for Ross Byrne to to really strut his stuff. What happens if Sexton kind of does get injured against Scotland or South Africa? What happens then? And he's out for a game week. So if anything, it's a great opportunity for Ross Byrne, assuming that Ross Byrne is the one that starts um, on Saturday. I think it'd be great. If anything, I put personally, I would... It'd be harsh on Jack Crowley, but I would maybe put Joey Carberry on the bench. Oh wow! I know this is kind of this is this is harsh and Jack, but just from a point of view of if the game isn't going well, it's not really happening. Maybe having that experience coming off the bench, even though Jack Crowley fully fully deserves his place, but I could maybe see Joey sneaking in there, especially with his um, versatility, fullback and stuff like that. You, you're getting kind of flashbacks to some scary times in Rome, Rowan McGuire, last minute drop kick, Declan Killney losing in Rome. Is that why you're putting Joey the Venice at? Because you're just getting some flashbacks. I'm of- not, I'm not scared. I'm not feared. I'm just thinking more of uh, if this Italy side are kind of with you like they were with France. I don't know if Jack Crowley, he's very little international experience. And someone like Joey Carberry can, if we've seen time after time, come out and see how come on and see our games. You know, he saw both All Blacks wins. Um so yeah, so yeah, I'm probably gonna lean towards Jack Shuey Carberry. That's why he's been brought in, I think. Yeah. I do think though, definitely like, you know, we saw the we saw the performance from Ireland last time once Sexton went off early and the performance didn't drop at all. It's just interesting to see maybe today, well, this weekend, against a lesser opposition can you keep that up or can you keep that momentum going from day, you know, from minute one, maybe, maybe that game, you know, the France game was kind of carried through just by the momentum of the match rather than anything else. Or, or, or do you start Joey Carberry and then keep Ross Byrne with his role of coming off the bench? Finisher. <laughs> you really make him a finisher there? Like... <laughs> uh, I think, like, Jack Crowley's, Jack Crowley's been put in the squad. I can't see any reason why he won't be involved. Had a really good off. He started against Australia. Looked looked solid. He's a young kid. You know he's developing. I'd be very surprised if we don't see a bit of action from him. And if Joey Joey was told pre Six Nations, he's got stuff to work on, obviously. And Joey's a way to work on it. And if he comes into camp and he shows it to Andy, yeah, as you say, Jack Zach, he might leapfrog. But no, I'd watch that space of Jack Crowley. I think he's got a lot to not to prove, but. He's, he looks like a hungry boy that wants to take a bounce off of the neck. And as we usually know with Farrell is, although he might slightly rotate with games like Italy and stuff, he predominantly goes as hard, as strong as he can. Although he might make a few changes, the changes will be players that have played pretty regularly for Ireland. You're not going to have, say, Jack Crowley drop straight in. He's going he's gonna to go for tried and tested because he's after a grand slam and... Things, things, maybe we tweak in the back row, we tweak in the second row of Tag Burnout, but it will just be tweaks. I think he's going to want to keep that machine 
machine running and he usually likes to give someone a reward um but that's it one or two like he he doesn't give out two caps we we know that by now Zach if we were in camp we wouldn't be getting capped because we'd be hoping for a token and sadly uh, do tokens but I like that we've discussed about that before do you blood all a load of new stars or do you just go for momentum and we've always said he goes for momentum that's that's the approach and just win 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 and I don't I, I can't see Ireland not winning in Rome, but I can see it being difficult. I can see this being the toughest. <laughs> that sounds weird after France, but the toughest grind for a bonus point. Do you think that's maybe uh, the last two bonus points come fairly late? I think. I think is, the biggest difference. They don't get a bonus point. Is it? Is yeah. It bonus point? Yeah. Yeah. You you you're aiming. You know, you're the best team in the world at the moment. If you can't get a bonus point, you should be aiming for bonus point against anyone. If I'm being honest, um, at this rate. It's, <clears throat> I think Zach summed up well earlier. It's, you know, Ireland or Italy, sorry, are very much a side that if you get one early and stifle them a little bit and silence that crowd a little bit, you might, you, you probably are in for a decent day. I think if you let them come back into it or you let them build, that's the problem. Um, to be fair, I say early try, that's not even really the be all and end all because I'm pretty sure they came back against France and they came back against us to some degree as well. So, they they like and they almost like coming from behind actually to some to some extent. Um, but you just have to stay on them. You have to keep the tempo up, keep the energy up, make substitutions at the right time, and make sure that you don't give them opportunities to run and let them deploy Capuzzo like they want to. Um, but I think you I think you still might concede a couple of tries. I think Italy are now in a position where they've got enough ability to do that, and that's a nice thing to have. But I just think defensively and just in that in that pack, I don't think there's enough flair to keep you guys away. So um, bonus point victory still for Ireland, definitely. Yeah, I'm not scared of one, but it'll be a bonus point win. I think Ireland win by 15, 20 points. He loves, he loves, he loves doing that. He loves I do love, I do love that, I do. <laughs> uh, I, I can, I like just discuss in terms of Italy, what they bring, Caputo, the boys then that backline look exciting and uh be interested to that um Garbisi is in the mix to come back. I know he was targeting round three, that could be a big play. And yeah, no, I think Italy, we we've said the six nations they will be getting more airtime. They are getting more airtime. But if they get if they get put away by Ireland, is it then does it start to get worrying for Italy? Is this like a mega break game? Because good performance in round one struggled to kind of stay in the game in Twickenham, although they had moments. But we always know that they have moments with exciting players. If they can't get in the game against Ireland, is the Six Nations then running away from them and then look so promising, so easy to get three points. Now they're two games and they need two points and that's going to be tough, but we'll I get on to Wales. Wales could be a five-pointer. No, I think, um, I think they... It's it's unfortunate it's come at this time, obviously, because of what you've just mentioned there. But I think their aim is still Wales and maybe even a fatigue Scotland towards the end. You never know. Um, but I think it's Wales. That's their aim. Um, I don't think they should be chucking the kitchen sink at this game if they're 20 points down. But just keep themselves, you know, proud sort of thing. But don't worry too much about it. I don't think this is the be all and end all for them. No, no, I mean, it's an exciting time. I, my prediction will be Ireland bonus point win coming. I do think we'll get it in the first half, but I do think Italy will cause some sort of resistance. But 
nah, I don't, I don't think this is going to be routine, but I think Italy will show a bit more than they have in Twickenham at least, and still show signs of growing and developing. And yeah, I know it's exciting to see where this Italian side goes, but yeah, I the, the reason I say that is what I've mentioned earlier about Faz. He tinkers, but he doesn't do wholesale changes, and he'll tinker. Potentially see like Jordan Lamer, some exciting boys in camp that have been that have been playing well for Leinster, Munster kind of, or Ulster, and you'll just slop them in subtly, and you'll even notice he's made these changes, and that is why Ireland are world number one. That's why they built the depth. That's why likes Philly Finley Bealham and Tom O'Toole making impacts on games where they're not even first choicers. That's why Hendo come back in in the second row potentially and just slot in now. The depth will continue to grow, and yeah, Jack Crowley will do something, Zach. Wait and see. But on to on to the kind of big story of the week. So Wales, England, as we record, there's actually no official announcement that it's going to get played. We're going to talk about it as if as if it will get played. But first of all, boys, the strike action has come. Do you respect first of all players for putting their neck on the line? These are international players who will be okay to find their next clubs they're doing this for their mates at their local at their clubs they're doing this for the for the second and third choice players potentially domestically that they want to get paid they know there is no wills rugby if it wasn't for these boys and that is true because you need you need the regions to as the cornerstone of your game yeah no 100% like I, I completely support the Welsh rugby teams the national team strike. I think actually you're right, Telf. I think you've hit the nail on the head. Actually, these guys, they're not I know they're saying they're striking over pay, they're striking over better pay for the for but it's it's more than just them. And they kind of they know it's more than just them because these guys are still on still obviously they're still on decent money, especially with their match fees and, and, and stuff like that. But you're right, like it's it's the third choice wing at Dragons who is probably earning less than minimum wage. Um, it, it it's scary seeing just reading into some of the salaries that boys in the regions are getting. Like some of them, genuinely, development contracts are below minimum wage. Like that's that is completely unacceptable. And then the, the, a lot of it's done on performance and stuff, and pumped yeah. up if we do this or that. And they're not really going to do this or that if they have no investment. It's like it's, it's like it's the English Championship. You know what I mean? Like it's just kind of like 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 we've had obviously all these have been on in the past chatting about some of the awful contract arrangements the boys have because clubs know that they just want they'll like they know that the boys are the guy right in front of them who they're giving an absolute rubbish contract to below minimum wage whatever the injury clause and all that you know they know that this boy just wants to make as a professional rugby player so they just kind of just treat them like dirt you know it's just it's it's, it's completely unacceptable and you know Wales. For years now, this has been an issue, but actually now it's finally, finally kind of come to a head. And you know what? If they do strike, well, I know we're assuming that the game's going ahead, but if they do strike and they just say, no, nah, you know what? That's not good enough. You haven't given us a good enough package. Um, Fair play to them. That's ballsy. Yeah. yeah. I was just, I've just did a little reading then just while you guys were chatting figuring out what their demands actually are. Um, and to be honest, they're really not asking for the world. It doesn't seem like it's that drastic and it's something that hopefully should get resolved with any kind of logical sense. But I, I don't know if any of you know what the variable rates they're on at the moment is, but obviously the, the, there's three demands that they're after. Um, 
the first demand is that they are represented by the professional rugby board. So they've got some sort of legal backing. I assume that means them some sort of protection as like part of a union. Fair enough. Very, very reasonable. Apparently that's set to happen. The next one is that they scrap the 60 cap rule. I think that's also a great demand. And I think it's something that a lot of Welsh rugby fans and a lot of Welsh players probably wish that didn't happen. It's not um, even a financial demand as well. That's no, like I know. The rules. But it, it obviously does have implications on the, the four teams in Wales because most of the youngsters probably won't play in Wales if that happens. Um, almost certainly won't play in Wales if they've got any sort of prospect. No, um, people are always splitting the 60 cap rule. It's not, it's not a, you know, there's positives and negatives to it. But yeah, yeah. that's I think they should just be free. It should just be an open market. They shouldn't be forced to go play in Wales, particularly when Wales and England are so closely related. Like you can go play for Bath and it's closer than playing for some of the countries in Wales, some of the teams in Wales. It's like, it's, that's what a lot of them do. Like people don't realize how close it is. It's different to playing if you're Irish or something like that, or even Scottish for that matter. Um, and then I think the only other one was they want fixed variable contracts, which means 80% of it's fixed and 20% is performance related. Mm-hmm. I don't actually know what current deal they're on, but I assume, like you said, Telfer, a lot of it is variable. Probably most of it is variable, which means obviously you've got huge fluctuations in your in your pay and a lot of it is down to performance, which means when they're not doing very well, they're not getting paid a lot of money. And obviously you see the Scotland having two professional teams. Sadly, Zach, do you think it might make sense? Not make sense, but financially you could see potentially Wales, maybe some of the sides might not come out of this. I know it's not going to happen overnight, but in terms of, you know, we were talking about Scotland's sustainable sustainable kind of structure they have and Edinburgh and Glasgow, you know, Glasgow also last week pushing into the top three. Uh, Falls didn't get a losing bonus point. They were leapfrogging them into third. Like, I think if you actually look at the, having two sustainable sides like that can work. And I know it's so sad if you're going to lose the Dragons or an Ospreys, but it'd be interesting actually what happens with those regions. And is it a matter of the money is there, but they're not distributing it? Or is it the fact that it all needs a reshuffle? I think it all needs a reshuffle. Like it's not out of the equation. It's definitely something that probably obviously is not going to get decided overnight before the Eglin game with how many regions they're going to have. But you got to be real. You know, Ireland have four provinces. Those provinces are very much financially secure, even throughout history, minus Connacht. Connacht kind of were on the ropes for a while. But um, you have to think about it. The only problem is with that, and to be honest, it'd be worth getting Rob back on to discuss it, is that because of the geographical significance of each club um, and the domestic uh makeup of Wales and the the emphasis they put that might be a might be an issue. But also like the Welsh amateur game is unlike anything. It's completely unlike the All Ireland League. It's completely unlike anything that Scotland has. And it's completely unlike, you know, national one or two that in England as well. Like it's it's so well supported. I think like some some um like some 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 amateur games that I was watching there, some Welsh Premiership games, they're bringing in like just from supporter you know, at gate fees, they're bringing in 20 grand a game, which doesn't seem like, uh, obviously that's pitting, especially compared to football, but knowing kind of semi-professional sport, that 20 grand, if you're getting that week in, week out, like that goes a long, long way. And it's just, it's it's kind of like, that's before any other sort of sponsorship and stuff like that. So I think they have to take a big look at the amateur game too. Like amateur players are getting paid. Is this kind of un 
and making the kind of system imbalanced essentially um is the pyramid now completely imbalanced because of that um that's something to look at too but i think overall that's probably a matter for getting rob reese back on the pod but um there's serious issues with wales and that's before we even go back to the cultural um serious issues that's going on and the game itself does the result matter now or was this week all about the strike over a big win against england and then Someone on the post match not saying about the game, but saying about this week was for the boys at the regions. Does is that what it needs, or does the result even matter? Is is this week all about the outcome of that of the strike? Yeah, it'll be really it'll be really interesting to see what happens because it's kind of going to go one or two ways. They're so distracted this week; <laughs> literally haven't been playing rugby this week, or um, and they just get smacked about by England or the opposite happens actually something like this really causes them to gel together play some of the best rugby they played in a while and then they go on to to win and then like you said Telf they make it all about the strike but I think either way they'll make it all about the strike but um, genuinely looking at Twitter there's just it's kind of a bit precarious at the moment for Welsh rugby yeah and Harvey what do you think then from an England perspective obviously respect the decision and stuff but do you, do you think this makes England's chances increase, decrease, or has, has no effect at all? I think, I don't know, it kind of nullifies the whole game in a way, doesn't it? Because no matter what happens, like you said, if the game does go ahead, the narrative throughout the whole thing is just going to be about the strikes. If they play bad, it's because of the strikes. If we play bad, it's because of the strikes. It's because of like everything will just be it's now true. the strikes. That's now the narrative this week is going to run off. Um, and I don't think there's anything that will change that now. Um which is the unfortunate side of things, but I also understand why they have to do it. Um, and I understand the reason, you know, the point of a strike is to create the most impact and stir at the time, isn't it? And although they could just wait until after the Six Nations for their strike, considering this is based on changes in the summer, that just won't have the same impact, will it? So they need to stir it up and why not do it when you're playing against, is it, are they playing at home as well against this? Yep. Um, so yeah. It's in the principality too, so obviously, like exactly, a so big atmosphere, be really interesting atmosphere, that's for sure. But my only concern, and with all of these things, is it's like I understand why they're doing it, and I think it's right what they're doing, but I can't help feel sympathetic for the fans, the people that have maybe made plans to go to the match. Like, this that's just all up in the air. It's like that's one of the greatest spectacles for some people, it might be the one and only time you ever get to go see a Six Nations game. And you can't see it because your team's striking. Um, and that's just not something that happens very often in sport. It shouldn't happen very often in sport. It's unfortunate it's got to this point. But, um, yeah, I think for England, you just need to focus on prep as always. Just keep going. There's not a lot they can do until an announcement comes out, really, is there? Um, yeah. And punish them. Honestly, punish them when it gets to the game day, if it does go ahead. Don't you know? Don't let them forget it. Don't let them almost be don't part of the strike in that, that way. Yeah, don't let the emotion of it's tough. It's real. It's a real challenge now. Not to make all about Borpik, and we're not obviously, but it's now real. Like this is a real test for England in terms of their mentality, how they approach a game, how they approach a game that might not even be on. Kind of the players, and I expect them to go pretty, pretty how they were for Italy in terms in terms of like Lloyd Lawrence continuing at twelve. Some new, some new, you know, JVP and Farrell continuing that relationship. Like things will continue to grow, things will continue to build. But England haven't won there since twenty seventeen. Like it's yeah, yeah, yeah. 
been a while. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm just agreeing. Yeah, you're right. Like, so like there's there's an element here where in England really need to kick on. This is the week they really, really need to kick on. If they want to kind of, you know, building for a World Cup and just even for the Six Nations in general, this is a week they really need to win. They need to win back to back. They need to get their Six Nations back on the roads. Um and I just can't I just can't see England losing, to be honest. I think even if there was no strikes, I know that they're gonna bear so much, but I think England just I think, um, yeah, I back I back England this week. Yeah, you think it's make just, make just... well? break for if they're going to compete this year? They have to win this, and then think... it's kind of back on. Yeah, I think they have to win. I think it's really important, not just for the momentum of Six Nations, but momentum of just this year. I think if you go in your first three games of the year and you've lost two of them, and you only win was Italy, like I just think it'll be serious. I don't know, just kind of you need the momentum. Yeah, I think we need to, we need, you know, on our side as well, we need to carry on the momentum. We need to try and keep building. Um, Wales have always been a bit of a sticky one for us and this is a perfect opportunity to not make that happen. Um, Starting from your line, um, Wales are a bit of a sticky one, Scotland a bit of a sticky yeah, one. Yeah, we've got quite a few <laughs> sticky ones at the moment, mate, all right. <laughs> we don't usually win in Dublin. <laughs> yeah, it's not great, it's not great. But no, I think, um, yeah, we just have to focus. It's, it is really hard. Like I'm saying it now and I'm saying it kind of emptily because in my head, I'm just thinking about the strikes. So I don't know how the boys are out there. Like, because as much as the boys both looks out on the training ground saying, ah, boys, just carry on as it is. They're all on the phones. They're reading the news. They know what's happening. They're, they're all know, they're texting their waiting. mates who play yeah. for Wales. Like they're yeah. all texting Dan Bigger and... Um, yeah, Laws is just on to Bigger, yeah. just saying, lad, you're right. You're striking. <laughs> Need to know, mate. <laughs> So, yeah, no, it's um, it's tough, but I think we just have to take it as it comes, and hopefully, an announcement is good news, and game is back on, and Gats can announce the squad, and and we can go batter them. That's the plan. It's to take no sympathy, but I just think that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely no sympathy. I don't care about any of that. This this week is so emotional for Welsh rugby. I think. It's just written in the stars, kind of South Africa like that they will get a result and they will make it. the biggest statement they can do is by beating England and not being like, Oh, this is fantastic and bring it back to the regions and that's that's our game and stuff. That's that's the biggest they can do. Because there'll always be over the cracks and it has over the years the, the senior side and the golden generation as we like to call. And we know young talent's coming through, but you know, people like Hawkins going up it looks like he's gonna be moving to X or that sums up yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. This is a young kid that's grew up playing for Ospreys his whole life, loves, loves Ospreys, but simply needs to go and get the paycheck that his quality deserves. So Ballsy from him as well, because if this goes through, then it's literally no sweat on his back. He's plays, he gets to play for Wales, gets to get the bag. <laughs> Love no, and life. But it's, but it's symptomatic of a deeper, deeper issue. But these cracks have been around for years. I just think like that you can't... Like, uh, I don't know. I'm very, like, free market. I don't want any control <laughs> on any of these things if you want to have my position on all these things. And I just think, like, any kind of 60-cap... Like, you put yourself on a pedestal if you force players to play in your country. And you just... Yeah, you have to... It's almost like forcing someone to stay in your house but then having a really, like, bad house. It's like... you. It's, it's, it's lose-lose right there. Like, There's a nice house down the road. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's yeah, exactly. It's just 
it just makes literally no sense to stay in Wales right now unless you have ambitions of playing for Wales, which why would you do when they're just going out there and getting battered every week? It's like, it's not... And it's and like I said before, there's really no like life-changing difference between living in Wales and living in England, depending on where you stay in England. So it's like you could just <laughs> go and play in England for a couple of years and then as soon as the Welsh team gets good again, go back to Wales for a bit. Like, it's really not... You know, there's there's been ways that people have obviously gained the system over the last few years, and I think they should just have the opportunity to do what they want. Um, proper investment and a free market will bring back good Welsh province, well Welsh regions. You do not need to control them and act like a tyrannical union, honestly. But at, at the same time, Wales on the pitch have been the worst have been in, a, in a, over a decade. And, and the reason why they're the worst have been is because they've been held captive at a terrible team with terrible wages in terrible conditions. Go and get them, let them do what they want. Let them actually go and do what they want. And I you guarantee you you'll see the, the returns. Yeah, 100%. I spoke guy. about it. I spoke about yeah, it last yeah. week. I spoke about it last week. I know Scotland have got two teams and Wales got four. It's slightly different in that sense in terms of professional. But Scotland don't sit there and act like they're England, Ireland, Australia, any of these countries. They just say, lads, do what you want, enjoy your rugby, and then when you put the blue jersey on, do everything you can. And they're doing everything they can because they're getting paid the big bucks week in, week out. They're getting paid what they're deserved. They're getting to play the rugby at the level they want to play at. And then they come and also get to play for Scotland. Just let them have their cake and eat it. If you want a good Welsh, and that's it, it all filters from the top. If the Welsh Rugby Union and the rugby team is at the best they can possibly be, which you get them doing that by letting them play wherever they want, get paid however much they demand, and yada, 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 it will filter down. That's how it works. This is how these things work. Yeah. You can't feed it from the bottom, it has to come from the top. That's where the drive is, that's where the growth is, that's where everything is. Zach, yeah. any, any any final comments on it in your prediction then? I think my final comment would be Wales and Ireland, from my understanding, have a similar structure in terms of the central contract. And you look at Ireland right now and you look at Wales. And one, and it's almost like I think over history, over the past maybe 30, 40 years, it's just the roles have been reversed. And what you've seen from Ireland is the development of really, really strong provincial teams on a national side now that over the past, you could argue, decade has challenged from from time to time. Whereas you look at Wales and just I think it's all come to a head. So, yeah, it's um it's a pretty, pretty massive day for Welsh rugby. But in terms of my prediction, I still think actually... I don't think the emotion of the strike will will have an will have a big enough effect for Wales to 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 beat England, and I think England will win, um, not by much, but I think they'll win. I think England will get the bonus point. Um, I, yeah, I just can't see England losing. Actually, I think Wales, this Welsh team, is really really bad. Harsh, <laughs> but as you've said, as it is, like, yeah, no, I I see some. I see England get the job done just because. Aside from strikes and stuff, the actual gelling on the pitch, England are further down in their development and stuff, but you can never rely on Gatland. But I feel after the first two weeks, I think even Gatland is struggling to manage this whole thing. And it's so much bigger than just the 15 players on the pitch. And I think Wales need to look at it as right off the Six Nations, get everything right at home. And the Gatland knows the boys and you can get everything right and they can go on a been going a bit of a World Cup run to two big wins and they're they're the World Cup opens up for them. So 
I think, yeah, England will win. The, the, the strike has probably will play too much of a factor, but players don't. It's not about the game this week, as we showed on the pod. You know, we've not been chatting Marcus Smith, Bowen Farrell, we've been chatting about the strikes and they deserve the airtime. So, yeah, I'm going to go England win by 10. And again, slowly, steadily, forefoot, growing, developing, learning. Well said, tough. That might be the clip for this week. <laughs> <laughs> You're reading that off a of piece of paper. You were, you were perfecting yeah. that last night. Putting little timestamps in as we go. But should we um should we get on to the uh the pick of the round? Hard spanning prediction then we'll move. Yeah, um right, bonus sorry, point win. I think that one wasn't a surprise on anyone. Bonus point win for England. Um <laughs> I think they might get a couple of tries, you know, rally the troops, get the principality up and bouncing, but realistically, like I think we'll come through. I hope we yeah, come through anyway. Tough, 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 tough place to go, but be interested in that motion, the atmosphere in that grind, and it's definitely in terms of interest. I know Welsh. Scotland see big Alwyn Jones singing the anthem. Scotland of France is the is the is the game of the Six Nations, the the, the atmosphere, but yeah, the, the 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 narrative there is really interesting and the outcome and stuff oh, it'll be fascinating, a lot of fascinating games, but the one it's all up for grabs then Scotland against France. Scotland win, it's on. You're getting you're getting getting too far down the tournament. Just keep going. Oh, Scotland, dear Scotland. Scotland have time to Scotland. We've got games to lose, you know, because they won them all. So if they beat France, then they've got Italy and Ireland to come, and they've got Ireland at Murrayfield. This is huge. This is here we go, Zach. Get ready. This is the biggest game in Scottish rugby history. Day where they should have been Australia and would have had Argentina in the semi final of the World Cup and they would have got to a World Cup final. It's the biggest game. Um, yeah, yeah, like you're, you're, you're right. I wouldn't say history because you know there's been a lot of big games over history, but I think since since that Australia game, this is the biggest game for Scotland. It's also the biggest test for Scotland because I think just watching them over year after year after year, especially under Townsend, it's just a question of. Is this Scotland team the real deal? And I know they've won their first team games, and I know they've had big scalps against um, England and Wales. They won in Twickenham, that's huge. But the big question is, can they win in Paris? Can they put up a fight in Paris? That's uh, that's the big that's the big question. Because if yeah. you look at if they're actually targeting Ireland and thinking we'll beat Ireland at Merrifield and we'll beat Italy, a losing bonus point might be enough to win the championship. Because they're ahead of Ireland already on points difference. And you gotta think they might Ireland have been running in like that's they're right in the mix. Yeah, like I don't know. I don't know. I just they're like they're right in the mix, there's no doubt about it. The fact they they've earned their right to go into this game with um excuse me, they've earned their right to go into this game. You know, with with a chance of winning and people <clears throat> talking about the possibility of winning. This wouldn't have been possible three or four years ago I think massive I think you know I, like you need to really sing Gregor Townsend's praises he's done a fantastic job the, yeah, actually the... listen to this sorry the stats near there Ireland four, 66 points four, 29 against points difference 37 Scotland 64 points four, 30 against points difference 34 there's three points between them you're talking about one side is untouchable world number ones Scotland are right there. Both two bonus points, 10 points. There is nothing between them in terms of points. Well, the big difference being that 
The big difference being that Ireland beat France <laughs> and dominated France. Didn't reflect in the scoreline, but they but they beat France. Scotland haven't played France yet. For, for me, for, for me though, this is a like this is the difference between. I think you're right, Telf. It's a huge game, and I think Scotland come into it probably in the best position they've ever been in, particularly for a very long time. Anyway, um, but the big thing for me is this tells us whether they are here to mix with the big boys or whether they've just had two good wins against two teams that are in transition. And that is probably the telling point because they could very easily just lose the next two games and then just leave with three wins, which is still very impressive. But it's a far, you know, it's a fall from grace considering what we're talking about here. Um, I think... I, I I think I think this is going to be not a reality check. I don't think it's going to be like a humiliation for them, but I think it's just going to be France showing their class, showing that kind of willpower and mentality and grit that they have. They're never out of a game. And I think when you play in Scotland, Scotland are great when they run through you, but I haven't seen Scotland in, you know, we faded on them, whereas France are going to build against them. Um and I think they might go ahead early. I think, you know, they've been so exuberant and energetic that they will. But I just feel like that French stadium, you know, the Stade de France, the the French players, I think they'll just they'll just engulf this team and they'll just I don't know. I think that was that's probably what pulled them through. Which might might, you know, to summarise, make me think that if this was at the Murrayfield it could be a different story. But and it, and in my opinion, if if you're a Scotland fan, with it just being you know, the difference of venue being the difference maker in the game is a good thing to talk about when it comes to France. Um, I think that's impressive for them. But come on again, playing in France. In terms of role play, in terms of role play, this is, could be in Scotland's head a dress rehearsal for a quarterfinal if they finish second in the group. They can beat South Africa or Ireland and get through. And they'll probably play in France in Paris in a quarterfinal of the World Cup with all the pressure on France. And you got to think on the flip side, France underwhelming against Italy and lost against Ireland, which is no embarrassment, but France will be, France will win a winning run. The winning run's now over. The momentum's changed. This is huge for France too. This could be France's Zach's biggest game in. Definitely. If France lose this, like, it's serious. I don't know if you can come back from it. Well, especially Six Nations, I think they like. Obviously, I think they will, but there is a question mark over whether they will come back from like losing. You know, two out of three, Italy running them close. They then have to go to Twickenham, which you never knew. Like this is like a lot. A lot can change over the next couple of weeks in terms of the complexion for the World Cup. Like a lot, a lot can and probably will change. It's quite um, it's quite exciting. They're on a knife edge now in terms of I've always said like. Winning a slam a year before a World Cup is always, the narrative will always be there that you're not going to get better than a slam and a convincing slam, which was France's. So they need to win. Then they need to back up at Twickenham and put themselves in, in amongst it on the final round. They're not in there in the final round of chance of winning, even if it is Ireland losing by so and so many points to England and then winning by so and so many points. Like they have to be in the mix come finals day. So. Oh, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating game. And in terms of favorite tags, do we still go France? Like, do we have to use a bit of sense in terms of, you know, France world number twos at home, or are you going pure form and saying on form, 
Scotland are favourites, or is that too far? You have to take the venue into consideration and previous form too. And obviously, as we're saying, two new sides Scotland played, whereas uh, France had to play Ireland and Dublin. So maybe it's a bit too harsh and they've still got five points. So a bonus point win at home against Scotland. They're back in the mix. Yeah, I think for me, I think it's losing bonus point is what I see happening for Scotland. I think France are just going to have, they're just never out of it. And I think Scotland could even control parts of the game, but they just, they don't know how to like, how to get smashed. And, you know, it took everything in Ireland to get through them. Um, and I just think in France, like, I don't think this Scotland side, as much as when they're, when they're on a high and the momentum's rolling, they can steamroll you. I just don't see them having that, like being able to hold a lead tight, hold a lead you know just some silly error penalties grind the way through that sort of thing i could see winning the game for for france um but it'll be a tight contest in my opinion what well, one thing that i honestly think in terms of personnel itself something that i know won't happen but something that i genuinely think should be considered or talked about is how well blair kinghorn has been playing coming off the bench like he's just been such a bright spark and maybe you keep him on the bench as that kind of like finisher, you know, mixing up the game. But genuinely, I haven't seen a lot from Stuart Hogg. Yeah, saying. no, that, that conversation is there. And as Harvey said the other week, the Jolly Bear conversation's there. Yeah, yeah. There's like, a lot of kind of personnel kind of decisions to make this big, week as well. Big, Do you stick? Big, big characters. These are proper test match winners. These are their main men that are maybe not in the form that they have been in. And you either... You either say you're my man, you've nearly got you've got hundred cat hundred cap or hogger, or you say, you know, sorry, King Orange's in better form, Jolly Bear's in better form. But uh, I think both of those decisions, it's too big of a decision, and they'll give them one more game. But those two are again World Cup coming around the corner, and they're two talented players. And I like Kinghorn because Kinghorn, if you talk about kind of prodigies Kinghorn out of school Kinghorn under 20s Kinghorn early Edinburgh days he was the man but they couldn't really find a position for him because of Hogg so they put him on the wing and he was doing a shift on the wing and then they're like well you played schoolboy 10 you're actually a 10 playing 10 you're not going to start a 10 because of Finn Russell so he's that good that trying to find his way in and now he's just gone 15 play my best rugby if I get picked instead of Hogg, I can. And he's a good option on the bench. And that's another factor, Zach. He's good on that bench. Versatility, whoever gets injured, Kinghorn swaps in for. He is he is the France staying like. So, no, that, that's a big decision. I think they'll go Hogg. Hogg. Hogg's a big game player. Yeah, they'll still go Hogg. But I think it's definitely a conversation that's coming down the line if Hogg doesn't think, start firing. Yeah, he could obviously be coming in more as a tactical change earlier on in the game. So, no, so what we go on prediction wise, I'm gonna go, yeah, France win, Scotland sneak a bonus point and keep the momentum going. And if Scotland play the way Scotland can and could get four tries and a losing bonus point, the championship's there then. I mean, that's that's the thing that like hasn't really happened yet in the in the in the recent history of the Six Nations with the bonus point system, is the fact that like you know those two those two points. 
the four tries and a losing bonus point, which is, I think, with these sort of teams, it will be frantic. Frantic. It will be um, exciting. A lot of tries. It's not out of the question that Scotland leave with two points, and that's you're right. Like that's massive for me. Like I think, I think, I just think France will win, but I think France will win with a bonus point. But genuinely, I think Scotland will will come will leave Paris with two two points. Big big statement. Learned him into that one. So yeah, you did. Um. Yeah. No. And I think if they do, then that makes it makes they just want that game. Murrayfield. The the they want the championship decider. They want that game, and they need to take something from Paris. And if you've got that mentality, I think they'll come away with. with I don't think it'll be two. I think it'll be one. But they'll be in the mix. But yeah, and that'll be a good result. And then they've set they've set it all up. They've set it all up at Murrayfield in the for the next round to. For to overtake Ireland and put the put the hammer down towards the finish line, or what do you think? Yeah, I think um, like I said, I think it'll be losing bonus point for Scotland. Tight contest. I think they'll stay ahead for a bit, but France just find a way to win. That's what they do. Um, yeah, twenty three twenty that sort of thing. I think will be my prediction. No, they've been good out there in recent years. Scotland, they've. they've... They've been France. France have struggled to play against them. So, and I think the feel, the form that Finn Russell's in, and he loves France. He loves that style of play. He loves open rugby. Yeah, this is interesting. I'm starting to pull this narrative along with me about Scotland series contenders. But I I do think it this is a fascinating round in terms of narratives and everything. But no boys, big thanks again, and catch you next week. Cheers. Cheers. To anyone that's made this far in the podcast, follow follow us on all our platforms: Spotify at Telfer Podcast, Twitter Rugby Tell, Instagram Telfer Podcast, even on TikTok nowadays. We're everywhere at the Telfer Rugby. So please follow us everywhere, and we'll catch you next week.